It's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast that'll really make you think. We're spicing up the rules, mashing up the homebrews, and stirring up the debates. Add a little touch of our own, and you have Chef Bogue and the Pirate Captain's Recipes for Everything. With your host, the Pirate Captain. It's not because I took on an entire ship by myself and walked away unscathed just off good looks alone. Chef Bogue. I have in my rules for the original AG. Don't be a dick. And Loke the Bard. Lock the Bard bans all bards from his campaign. That wouldn't go over very yeah. well. And without further ado, here are your hosts. Well, that is it. Let's be another episode with me and my bestest of buddies, Old Chef Bulk. Good job. More episodes. And as, of course, our favorite little bard, Loke. I, uh, yeah, I took you off mute there, buddy. Un- ungagged the gag. But uh, w- welcome, everybody. We are here for another episode. It is me, the Pirate Captain, uh, with my good looks and everything. And this is going to be a fun other episode. I am excited uh, because last week's, or last week's, what was it? Two weeks ago now? Yeah, two weeks Something ago. Like yeah. Two weeks ago that we did an episode, and we had James S. Austin on. It was a great time. That episode got a lot of traction. I was I was surprised. A lot of people liked it. And he, make sure you guys go find him. Uh, you, his details are all in the post that we did, as well as find us on Facebook, uh, Chef Bolg and Pirate Captains. You can email us, PC at gmail.com. And share, share, subscribe, do whatever you can wherever you're at uh, to podcast. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell anybody about it. Uh, we do have a special guest coming up here in a couple weeks in February. He's going to be exciting. It is a professor at a local Florida university. He is a D&D uh, aficionado. He, his latest thesis is which what we're going to be talking about with him is going to be on that episode. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that. It's very important that you guys uh, listen in for that one. He's going to be an amazing guest. I I'm excited for him, and yeah, hopefully, just, go ahead, man. I'm sorry. No, no, yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk about it. Reading through it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a hell of a conversation, oh. uh, especially for maybe some some younger players who this is a big deal for them, uh, having representation in games and that kind of thing. Um, for us older gamers, let let me just play an elf. Yeah. <laughs> can I can I please? But it's still, it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a good talk. Well, I, and yet again, I want to make sure I throw it out to the man that really brought this guy to our attention. It actually brought us to his attention. Uh, that is, oh, look, the bard. Look, you've done an absolute amazing job. So just want to mark it out to you for a little bit. It, it's that level 18 charisma. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> it, it, it only took him 17 levels to get it down, right? <laughs> How many times did he not strike out? Not quite a out? 20 yet. I'm not quite there yet. Oh, I... I am so happy where this uh, where this podcast has gone. Uh, it started off shaky in the last year that we when we started it out, uh, you know, with cancer, the army, and everything else. And now we've kind of like starting to come into our own. We're doing we're working out deals. We're doing things. Uh, it's only going to get bigger from here. Hopefully, it's not like podcast from uh, the recent Ghostbusters movie, and we find our voice in episode forty six. Can we do it early? Please. Oh man, I think we have found our voice. I, I, I you know, I love that movie, and I was glad it came out. But yes. yes, I, I really hope maybe Dan Aykroyd listens to us, and he's like, "No, you guys found your your voice in episode ten or six, as it Apparently, seems. Yeah. Episode six is where it's at. That was actually the missing episode of. That was the first episode you had went missing because you had you were doing cancer treatments. You couldn't talk, mm-hmm. uh, and if you actually listen between episodes six and ten, and you hear Bolg. 
he's all scruffy and sounding like he's trying to find Bane in Gotham City, it's because he was going through cancer and you sound so much better. Yep. But le- that was the episode with me and Loke, and we I, I don't even know what we talked about. I haven't I, I need to go back and listen to it, but everybody that is still everybody's favorite episode is episode number six. Or maybe that's just the one you're sharing with everybody. <laughs> What, me? No, no, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I just listen to it over and over on repeat. <laughs> listen to that sexy-sounding, smooth-talking pirate captain. Loke, I'm still at the room with you. Can you please put your pants back on? <laughs> but with that being said, let's kind of we we got a few topics out for today. I'm excited about these. I think some of these are gonna like hit home with certain people. Uh, definitely like wording wording in the rules. Uh, is something that is first on my list. So let's go ahead and get into that because you guys were talking about having a friend of ours that was playing with an app, and he could not just a friend of ours. It was it was me. I was the one who was using the app. I, it was my character, but the friend of ours who was the DM who was, that was not DM, me. Um, <laughs> That's impossible. He thought it was impossible what I was trying to do because the with the way the app worded it was that I dealt two d six. It was the rune knight. And I was using the fire room. I deal 2d6 damage when I invoke it, and the the uh, target has to make a strength save um, or be restrained. Not grappled or restrained. And he yeah. didn't understand how the, a fire room would be able to do that. Well, in uh, Tasha's, it actually states it's fire shackles. Yeah. That's what the fire room is. So it's it's much clearer in that than it is in the app. And and I think it's important to to have some of the wording discussions with uh, with a lot of these third party apps um, because of trademark and copyright and that kind of thing. You have to be careful about how you word it, but it also can lead to some issues in game. Yeah, their, their licensing will have something where you know they've they've paid they've paid for the right to use the D and D logo and D and D calculations, but they didn't pay for the right for the Tasha. Quotings because you know D and D wants too much money because it's their new money maker. Yeah, and, and so then they they stick it in there with a abridged short shorthand for the rules, and that well, can lead to some confusion. Well, this Still goes back the book. This goes back to my argument about uh, technology versus you know having these papers and stuff like that. This is why it's important to have this because it is it's always rules as written. I see that a lot in the forums and the Reddit chats that it's always rules as written. And if your rules are written differently because of what you have versus what I have, like now if you've got the book, let's say you have a digital copy of the book, okay, obviously you're reading the rules as written, but if you have a fire shackle versus a fire rune, now you're starting to get into you know questionable territory. Well, it even goes beyond that. Um, certain applications out there will update with the erratas. Yeah. So you will have the language of the most current errata Instead of the original book language, if your DM's playing based on a rule that's in the book, it may be different than what the errata has changed it to. It makes it makes me wonder how the five E wiki gets away with everything because that's that's usually where like when I reference something here on the sh- on the show, I always reference the the five E wiki, mm-hmm. and that is one of my favorite little things. So how do we do? Uh, you know how do you how does it get away with that that sort of publication errors and stuff like that? Like what am I missing? That I don't that I haven't gotten from a book because I don't own every book. I don't buy module books. I only buy books that have um, either race updates uh, or class updates, like or like items and yeah. stuff like that. I, there's yeah. no reason you, for you me buy, to have a module. you buy the player books. Right, you're, you're a player. That's uh, mostly a, yeah. I like I, I don't DM very often. I don't have that time, so I'm mostly a player. And 
now that you have that issue with okay well it's a fire rune in my in my handheld but my book says it's a fire shackle like how, so how did you guys overcome that like like obviously he wasn't too happy like i'm not saying well, that he was pissed off or mad about it but he wasn't like well, the, the, the way that we did it is we just simply looked it up in the book, and that's it's the app has it correctly. the The actual description is correct, but the wording of the description made it seem like it was based on just a straight up yeah, fire it, ability. It wasn't. It was didn't have a name. It didn't have a uh, a specific wording to it, which is what was confusing him. Yeah, the app pared it down to function only. It didn't have the descriptors. It didn't have the flowing language. Well, you it didn't have the visual for it to him to see it in his head. It's like it makes no sense. Your your flaming axe is hitting somebody. Why are they grappled? That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, you know, and and you know sometimes logic and magic. Sometimes it don't make sense. Yeah. But in this case, they actually have a in game reason why this is happening. And and when uh, we when I started with this class, I actually didn't have Tasha's. I actually got Tasha's. My lovely wife got me Tasha's for Christmas, um, but I would I was using the RuneNet because it was something that interested me from Tasha's. Yeah, and the app had the information there; it just didn't have the wording. And I've even been confused by some of the wording sometimes. And two or three of us at the table would have the Tasha's also, yeah. so that you know, I mean, that's the advantage to playing with big groups. Not everybody has to have every book. We have a pl- we have a friend. We're trying to get him in here that doesn't own a single book, <laughs> but and that's the thing when when you come to a lot of tabletop games and Wizards is really big with this because Wizards has most of the ta- they have like almost a monopoly on tabletop gamings. Uh, you're talking about uh, Magic: The Gathering, Hero Clicks, D and D. Wording is is very important. The difference between and and or is vital. All right, for those of you who play Magic the Gathering, you're very well attributed to that because what something can do versus what it could do, and that's that's the big thing. Uh, and with third-party – not third-party products, that's a different topic. But uh, it, it, reading these rules, it's very important that we have them down there. It, and we've talked about it in earlier episodes where it's always DM – it's usually going to be DM's discretion ahead of time. Now, when we had James on a couple of weeks ago – he mentioned, you know, there's that unwritten contract, you know, where you're not going to you're not trying to screw the player over. So no, it's not that somebody's trying to essentially screw the player over, but I think now that you have these rules that are differently written, you know, it, it makes my argument a little bit better of why you should at least have a book. Somebody should at least have that book out there. I I, I really want to lean more towards players having paper copies of things. We, we are lucky that at least one of us has whatever book that we need. Um, we have a family that plays with us. They usually have. They usually buy the new books as soon as they come out. I think Fizzbands is one of the only only one of the ones that we don't have that we want. I have it. it just the person who was supposed to bring it last night forgot it at their house. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I there hasn't been a, honestly since Tasha's. Tasha's really kind of like opened the world up a little bit to where you really don't need a whole lot of the other books unless they're doing uh like. There's not been a whole real reason to have new races anymore because of Tasha's because you can essentially create your own race. But some of these books and stuff like that, if you don't have like enough new player uh, or class subclasses, I'm really not that interested in it. We talked about it uh, a couple weeks ago, too, is something was a crafter's class and that would be a book I would buy. If there was something that brought in a, like a whole new class, something we haven't seen before, and there there are third party products out there that do do that. Um, 
it's just they're not official. They they're not applicable if you play in Adventures League. Mm-hmm. They're you know how many they people- may break the uh, you know the game balance because again who knows how they were tested, but those things do exist out there. There's homebrew ones out there. There's how many people though do we know that are actually playing in Adventures League though anymore? Like because of because of the pandemic, like I like that's the big thing. That's really going to be the factor here. Is like because of the pandemic, how many people do we know that are actually playing in? And we're broadcasting here out of Florida, so everything's open. Yeah. But uh, I know one of the local shops still on their their regular Sunday Adventures League game is, you know, where they have eight or ten tables. Are they full though? Like full, full, or just like I, I have? I haven't. I personally wouldn't go to an eight or ten table. <laughs> yeah, that does seem like a lot. Uh, crowded i mean game shops are generally not that big but uh last time i was there they they were pretty full uh now some of the other but you know most of these shops are only doing those at most once a week you know you don't have those games every night of the week um and and some of the shops especially the smaller shops that i had smaller crowds to begin with those have kind of stopped doing anything just yeah yeah well i mean Hey, with these third parties and stuff like that, we we've talked about that. DMs, it's always DMs discretion. Right. Like it, it, it's you guys are going to decide as as the rulers of your world, as the gods of your world, uh, why what is and isn't allowed. And I, I'm always fine for the most part with with people kind of creating new things. I, I was I was talking about a, a character I wanted to play for your latest campaign. I've just been busy and wasn't able. I wanted to create a feat that really doesn't do anything but allows me to take your panties because I was going to create you have this carnival themed uh, thing going on. And I was like, well, he could be like a uh, he could be like a little sideshow. And part of his little sideshow act is he can like remove the underwear of anything. And he's he's actually just a perv. He's a panty thief. He doesn't actually do anything other than just take people's panties or women's panties. You never know. But tap aside from Ronma one half. Just yeah, that's exactly advantage. what it is. But that's uh that's uh it, it would be a useless feat yeah, almost. A, a Konosuba thief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I I I love creating characters with with weird tropes like that. Like something yeah. that makes them absolutely unique to the world. Yeah, and as a DM, the DMs are more likely to pull in third party stuff, I think, than than some of the players a lot of times. I personally used to look and use before I got so dependent on the apps, which you're, you know I'm kind of winning your argument for you from previous previous. Thank you. What, Thank you. Two or three episodes ago, and you know, I was I've, the apps are the way to go. The apps are the way to go, and I, I've realized recently I used to use the Toma Beasts one and two a lot to pull monsters out of. Ever since I got this five E companion app that has all the monster manual monsters in it, but doesn't have third party monsters in it it's much easier to build an encounter when i can just add them to the app and not pull and not have to create these these third parties into the i mean a lot of the apps have where you can add your own stuff to them but the fact that they're not there means i don't use them as much as i I used to which means instead of having you know i don't know how many monsters are in the monsters manuals and tomophos and all those other stuff out there you know instead of having a thousand monsters we're only getting 500 of them instead, you know, so you're, you're, you're limiting yourself, especially at the higher level stuff. I um, think, uh, and I can see that, but I think you're also like limiting your creativity when it comes to these third party. Cause I feel like, uh, everybody's seen the new season of the Witcher, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, you know, they knew 
uh, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't watched it. It's been more than two weeks. That's my spoiler alert, my spoiler uh, rule for anything. Anything after two weeks, it's uh, it's your own fault. Uh, but they encountered new versions of creatures they had already known about that weren't weak to the same things or newer things. So now you're limiting yourself to, you know, creating new monsters out of something that could be great. Yeah. Because you've gotten very reliant on this app, so now you're, you're, you're. I feel like you're doing a disservice to your players, and it's not because you're trying to. You're just inadvertently, you know, creating, creating I'm, that gap. Yeah, and, and you know, it's one of those things when you have eight players and you're trying to track initiative and you're trying to do all these things. Sometimes, you know, crowd management is a thing. The app makes easier. Yeah. You know, um, you know, not skipping a player. Players don't like being skipped on their turn either. You know, I we, feel that's on the player though. Yeah. Like, it, it, if you're getting skipped, it, what were you doing during your turn that you got skipped? Yeah. Were you paying attention? By the time the first round goes through, once you do initiatives, you should know who you're next to. I, I there's a uh, we've done it in the past where we had like a little board where we all wrote our initiatives on the board so you could look around and so you knew okay well bulg has 21 i've got 17 you've got 12 so obviously it's going to go bulg pc and loke in that order so if i got skipped because i was dangle dangling around with whatever that's my fault that's not a dm i can't be mad because i missed my turn because i wasn't paying attention because one i wasn't prepared because what was i doing i was dangle dangling through some stupid app or things like that i wasn't uh, by the time bulg is done with his turn because bulg is gonna eat what well, you get a bonus action a free action um movement movement and, and a reaction right so that's four things that you can do all right, and usually you got to roll dice you got time so I, by the time that's done you've probably killed what about two to three minutes uh, on average, what, how uh, on average, how long does one player's turn take? And, and that's the thing; it's going to depend on the player how much you know. On average, that's what I'm saying. I'm yeah, not saying um, the player. On average, you're thinking about maybe what two to three minutes. I, I, I probably closer to five. Okay, so I've got five minutes. Five minutes. Figure out what I'm doing. How I'm going to do it. Yeah, granted, what he does can maybe affect it. Let's say he kills something. All right. Well reshoot okay and that may take it a little bit but i should still know that by the time he's done it should be my turn though and i get it with a bigger party size it's a little harder but let's say let's add let's add nigglewort and um who else are we who else have we had on the show with us just to throw out some names um so we got we're going with bulg let's through pc we'll do loke and then Nigglewort. Uh, who else have we had? Uh, okay, we'll do, we'll throw in a couple names. We'll throw in uh, the Boulder, and that'll be it. Okay, so that, that that's that right there is a, a larger than average party size. You would, you would say because most what games are usually about three to four players with the DM. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, I mean our games, like I said, we've always played a higher higher number, higher capacity game. Uh, it's a social game. Players, yeah. yeah. All right. So, all right. So by the time, let's say Bulg, by the time you get down to the Boulder, because right now the order is uh, Bulg, PC, Loke, Nigglewort, the Boulder. By the time we get to the Boulder, the Boulder should know what's kind of going on, what's happening. If we skip Nigglewort, that's not where where are we where are we going with that? Like he should have known what that his turn was there. It's time for him to go. Um, if we skip him, he can't be mad at us. He can't be mad at the DM because you didn't call him out specifically because you're tracking 
not only are you tracking the players, you're tracking the enemies, you're tracking the loot, you're tracking uh, special encounters. You've got more going on. That's on the player. Absolutely on the player. Anybody disagree with me? Well, Anybody want to fight I me mean, on that? It goes a little further than that. The, like, the, the thing that got me to start using uh, the app, actually, we had run an encounter where I, we were fighting six different creatures with different armor classes, different attack modifiers, different, you know, where I was trying to manage their side of things as well and having to track their hit points, their to hit, their... The app made that so much easier where, you know, I have, okay, the 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 unicorn, you know, does this and has this AC, whereas the griffin, you know, has this AC. I could have them in the same combat because the app lets, lets me right. differentiate that. Whereas when I was trying to do that with pen and paper... Uh, I, I, and I get that with pen and paper, yeah. and I think that with larger parties that helps out, but I, I'm i still on that idea that if a player gets skipped, yeah. and I know this is this got very, vastly off topic, but I think that if a player gets skipped, it's not on the it's not on the DM, it's on the player. You have to take it, a, it that responsibility. It depends how they get skipped, too. You know, your order there, uh, I go PC, then I go Bulg. What are you doing? Bulg's going to tell me what he's doing, even though he's not following PC. I just went, yeah. yeah. Like, and I get that reactions, too, because everybody gets a, a reaction can happen at any time in combat, which I get that, which can happen. But everybody is alerted of a reaction. Like, you you as a DM, you'll look around and you go, oh, uh, Boulder, Niggle Ward, and Loke, you guys are are by the enemy. The goblin moves through you. You guys get a reaction, okay? So that's going to throw off a little bit. But I should, as a player, know that... Um, once Bulg goes, then Loke should be right now. We'll be going right after me, even if he's across the table. He's over there. I just want to say that. But if know, the DM calls on the person after you, that you need to speak up yeah. really quickly. You have to do that as a player. Like, and if you're not paying attention, that's on you. And I think you deserve to the to have your turn skipped. I I know it seems kind of selfish, but like I said, you're already as a DM, you're already tracking so many things. Yeah. How's that fair? Yeah, no, and and like I said, that that is what got me into doing using the apps to track that stuff because I mean, there, I, we've tried other things. Like you said, you tried the dry erase board. Uh, you know, some of the people out there sell the little flag things where you stack and you flip the flag when the person's taking their turn. But regardless of what it is, tracking it slows down the play. Setting that up, writing out that order. You complete that combat, you go to the next combat, you write out a new order again, whereas the app automatically generates yeah. that stuff instantly. I and I think this was something of Niggle Wart's doing that I took from him. It was like initiatives were set in stone from the beginning. It may have been him or it may have been another DM that I played with um, that once you rolled initiative at one time, that was it until like a long rest. And then you would reset it to kind of give you a chance to, you know, that way if you were like at the bottom just because of a bad roll, you were, you know, you could go again. But that way, everything was always set. Nothing changed. The enemies, and we would honestly, we would give favor, you'd give favor to the players over the enemies. So the uh, the enemies would go, would have like a minus to their roll versus, you know, they weren't going to get, even if they got, unless they got a natural 20 was my rule about it. A natural 20 supersedes all. They get the surprise attack. But if they got 19, it would be like a 14, something that way they weren't always, they weren't always like coming in and bum rushing the players, but the players would have a chance to react. Uh, well, this brings up something that we could probably talk about in another episode is, is different ways of doing initiative. 
That is a good one. I like. I, I don't know. Let's see. We're we're already talking about it. You might as well hit it now. Just hit it now. Yeah. So yeah, there's um, a bunch of discussions I see on Facebook and Reddit on the Five E group is how to change initiative to be more engaging to help prevent skips and that kind of thing. A, a lot of DMs uh, roll initiative every round, which I yeah. think is crazy. How you're keeping track of that? Yeah, um, it's hard enough to do it every fight. Yeah, <laughs> I went, well, you got to think they're probably again, dealing with just, a small party, yeah, a, a three yeah. a three person party. That's quick and easy. Yeah, yeah, uh, five people under. Yeah, probably you could get away with that. But with having, I don't even think use? you could do it with five because you got to think because you're you're talking about five plus the DM. Yeah, uh, with the, the monsters guys. and stuff like that, and plus any summons and all that kind of stuff. That, mm-hmm. Well, summons usually take the uh, take the role of whoever summoned them, right? And some uh, some people go by simply your like certain modifiers and that number that is your initiative score that's it you don't roll there's no yeah. rolling that is how fast you go um for uh, i think it was it was a double modifier system where it was like rogues would have dexterity and intelligence barbarians would have strength and constitution uh just um knowing uh, just that modifier number whatever it is would be the um the deciding factor and people who had just dexterity, say if you got the same number, people who had dexterity as one of their things, they would get to go first because they're faster. And that's fine. How do you like with the tie? Uh, with the tie, there's actually no rule in the book that I that I remember. I think somebody I was listening to somebody say that when when it comes to a tie, it's not actually uh, it's not actually who's got a higher dexterity. I, that's usually used because it means you're usually more nimble. But I, I I've never seen and you guys can correct me where I'm wrong or. Uh, anybody out there that's listening to this can mess, email us chef bowl and pc at gmail.com uh, where I'm wrong. Make yeah, sure you put the I, reference. I know what over. our house rules have always been. It's always been the dexterity. I don't, yeah. I don't think there's actually sure a rule in the book. Or we roll for it if, if it's yeah. too matching. So whoever gets the higher number then, yeah. it's not even a add your and, dexterity. And, it's just rolling them. And, you know, as a DM, I, I, a tie, I always go to the player. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, that's, that that I think is great, unless it's like I said, unless it's but a it's surprise attack. Two, t- two players tied, then you got to figure, you know, work it out between you. No, well, <laughs> and that's I we've done it. Like I said, that's that's usually whoever's got the highest dexterity. Well, then who's got the if you got the same dexterity, that's you know, then it goes to the roll, roll off. off. Yeah, yeah. You, you you tie on the roll off. Time to Rochambeau, something like yeah. That. I at that point though, then you guys just deserve to sit this one out because you're too and, fast for us. You know, there there are some things I, I'm talking about how complex and hard initiative is, and they've already made it easier than it used to be. I mm-hmm. I miss things like weapon speed and casting. I time. miss yeah. weapon speed because you know the fact that you know a great sword and a dagger take the same effect as far as initiative. One tag is harder to swing and take. There's really no reason to use smaller weapons, except if you're dual wielding or something. You know that you have to have the light feature. Yeah, the the mechanics of the game currently in Five E, you use the the weapon that has the biggest damage. Pr- production is the one you're going to use because there is no mechanical no. reason, uh, with the exception of things like heavy or light or reach. Well, they don't call it reach. That's that's the Magic the Gathering term. But the, <laughs> well, it, the, it, the ten yard, the ten foot, yeah, reach instead. Yeah, no, I, th- I think and it is reach. I think it's is, is it reach? I think okay. it's reach and pers- uh, finesse and th- those little features. Those matter. You know that that's what you really focus on, and then it's damage. You don't it. You know the fact that you're using a big two handed sword 
means you're probably going to be slower. You should be slower than a person using a dagger, which is the advantage to the dagger. You know, if, if he can stab you first and kill you before you can swing that big two-handed sword. Yeah, but the damage is compensated there, so I yeah, get that. Yeah, and the damage is lower because it's faster. So. But, but you lose that. And then casting time. A cantrip takes the same amount. A one-action cantrip takes the same amount of time as a one-action ninth-level spell. Right. <laughs> so that's uh, look. It's both one action, regardless of how complex the spell is. That's something that's always annoyed me is how the casting times in Five E, because it's uh, a lot of your major spells, and I get it's to keep people from dual casting uh, fireballs in a single round. Where it's a bonus, I think fireballs when an action. Most your cantrips are your actions, and then I think your bonus actions are always your spells. Or do I get that backwards? Anybody? Uh, most spells are, are actions to begin with. Right. Uh, there are a couple. There are a couple like uh, healing word and a couple others that are a bonus action, um, and then you get into that you know, the the things like the quicken spell, the rule where you can't cast two non cantrip spells if one of them is a bonus action. Yeah. Which is often misinterpreted as you can't cast two spells, um, but now if you could do if if you have a way to do two actions such as action surge, you could cast two full full castable full spells cast action spells as long as you don't cast a bonus action spell. You can't cast that bone if you cast healing word and then try to do two spells that are in action. You can't. They have to be cantrips. If any of if any one of your spells is a bonus action. The only other spells you can cast the rest of that that time are that time are cantrips. Well, that brings up something that I was complaining about the other night when we were playing, is that um, bonus actions should be able to take the place of actions. If you want to take your time to do that bonus action as an action, what's stopping you? As long as you don't do the bonus action and another bonus action, I agree with you. But I think it has to be that you do the the bonus action always comes first, or is that the way I want to do it? I agree with you, but I think there should be like a priority. Like the action must go before the bonus action. Does that make sense? That you have to take you have to take the major before you do kind of like the extra. You see, like you got to eat your food before you get your dessert. Yeah. Is that? Because I, I, I agree with you. I think yeah. that is. I think that's weird because this is the saying that I do the same thing. This is the same thing essentially. So I, I actually saw uh, one of the YouTube videos where I, I wish I could remember who it was so I could give them credit. Where they were talking redoing the action economy, where think you know, where you get three things per turn instead of a bonus action action, and that includes your movement. So you know, fifteen foot, fifteen foot, fifteen foot, you've used all everything you can do that turn. Yeah, because that's uh, that's essentially know. six seconds. Yeah, yeah, that's where, sprinting. Yeah, whereas you know, you you take your action, you take an offhand attack, and you take fifteen foot of movement. Those would be your three things. You know. Where it, it, he laid he laid it out really well, and I, I really wish I could give him credit, and I I am blanking on who it was. Hey, there's so many of them. <laughs> there's so many of them out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like. Well, that's. It's uh, not my idea. That's why I'm. No. Doing, I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm with you on that. I think there's there's but a lot they, to where that. They could just where you have so many things per turn, and how you distribute them and use those. Th- maybe a ninth level spell costs two. I'm down. Maybe like, that you know. I'm down for that. Like, I, I see that being a lot more realistic to what it is because four things, all right? All right we, we discussed it earlier. Action, bonus action, movement, reaction, right? Four things. Yeah. To do all those, I can move, shoot, and communicate in six seconds. Ah, no, you can't. There's a lot that you're doing on right there, especially if you got to say the words, you got to do, like, I don't think 
I think uh, having an action economy is a lot better than having the the current setup than it has right now. Yeah, yeah, and and you know realistically, you're either moving towards and then doing the attack action, or you're doing your attack action and then moving away. That would affect your accuracy. That you know the fact that your feet aren't planted, that you're you know yeah. that you are literally in motion when you're doing this attack. If you're moving towards something, you're probably hitting harder than if you're moving away from something. Uh, yeah. yeah, maybe give a bonus to range because you're 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 you're, you're, clo- you're yeah. or, lengthening or extra, that distance. Yeah, extra extra damage if you know if you're charging at them. Yeah, and now we're getting into into physics actually mattering again. <laughs> I love physics in D and D. I know it doesn't matter. I, it, and that's just the way that the systems work because yeah. bogging down into that, you start getting to more of the realism and that kind of thing. Right. It slows play down even yeah. more. I, I'm more into a lot of realistic, though, into my campaign, into a campaign. I, I, I admire that. I know that there's got to be a magic setting, but I admire a realistic uh, campaign setting, like the more that you kind of like bring into it. Well, and, and there, there are other games out there. There are other systems that do things. To, like, you know, D&D is a heavily class-based system. Uh, you know, if whereas, oh, that's classist. Yeah, it's, it's very classist. <laughs> mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, there are other ones out there that are skill-based. You you get so many skill points when you create your character, you know, and you invest those skill points into, you know, okay, I'm going to, my character's going to know how to sneak through the woods. You know, I put bonuses into that. Uh, you know, uh, he knows how to pick pockets. I put sp- bonuses in fine track. And, yeah, you're building a thief class, but maybe your thief class that you're building doesn't ever pick pockets. You've got the locks, traps, all that kind of stuff because you're making more of a scout. You've, and you've so you essentially pick up a, a bow instead, or you know, you've essentially recreated Pathfinder what, and well, like three. Yeah, I, I, I was keeping it a generic skill based <laughs> system. Well, one of but, my favorites like that is actually it's called bla- a basic role playing, and uh, it's supplement classic fantasy. It's a D one hundred system, and it's all based on skills. Your ability to hit, your ability to cast magic, is all a skill, and you have numbers, and then you try and roll under those numbers in order to use that skill correctly. And I think that that was a, a brilliant little system we were playing with a, um, back when I was in college. But, uh, but those systems, because they're more complicated, there's a higher threshold to entry. Mm-hmm. They're not as popular. Right. You're fi- finding groups and, and people that have, I mean, it, it takes a lot more on a DM to create a villain where you have to go in and, and know all their different skill roles than it does to pull out generic wizard 101. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I've got, uh, when we were in, we were on vacation, I picked up Shadowrun, uh, Sixth World. And just reading through that, I'm like, this is, this is complicated. This is going to take a while to, to learn and then have you guys learn as well if I want to run it. Yeah. 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 I, I the old Palladium system, you know, you would have hours and hours of character creation. Where you would spend literally go you okay you'd start with your childhood, you know okay you were born to parents who did this job, you know okay then then your teenage years you did this and doing this you get you know each thing you would acquire so many bonuses to so many skills, uh, you know and by the end of it you have a you know all your stats, and then you start playing and you get killed in the first three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I, and you another eight hours to create another character, <laughs> and and uh, that that lends itself to well, we all know Dungeons and Dragons. We know the five E system, where we can then go into the third party stuff to help expand the rules, expand 
like the, like the shadow run i'm sure there's stuff out there for modern weapons and stuff like that in D 5e that could, i could then add in to create a cyberpunk style game yeah, yeah and the, and the third parties there's some i i we're back to where we started on this. I this used to I love the Toma Beasts. Toma Beasts gives you more more monsters to use. Quite a few more monsters. Toma Beasts 1 and 2. Great books. CRs are a little calculated. A little, might be a little off compared to the Monster Manual, but they're close enough to work. Right. Um, and, and, you know, you've got all kinds, much more dragons, much more undead, all these things you want. To give variety, especially if you play a lot, you know it's one thing if you play once a month. You know if you're playing multiple games, how often do you want to fight that that regular CR one half zombie or skeleton? I'm the Goblin Slayer. Yeah, yeah, I, the fight goblin go- I only want to fight goblins. Exactly. So. How often do you want to fight those same? And as you get higher in level, the variety gets less because they're they're the number of things that are a CR. One or less is a lot more than things that are, you know, CR twenty and higher. You know? uh, yeah, and then a lot of people dismiss these third party books because they're like, oh, well, they're glorified homebrew. Well, no. If you look in a lot of these books, yeah. there are pages of playtesters. They they shout them out because uh, this takes a lot. My homebrew, I playtest. I yeah. know a lot of people don't, but I playtest it to make sure that it's balanced so that I can pop this into any setting and it works. I and we just had somebody who who essentially creates homebrew camp uh, homebrew modules yeah. a couple of weeks ago. You know, James, that's what he does. All right, so you I, you're you're cutting out when when you cut out anything that's not in the books and you know Wizards of the Coast Publishing, you're really you're really limiting yourself as a player and as a DM from these other ideas because you know you were t- just you were telling us after we left that day that you know hey look I got actually an idea for a whole little. Um, a little module of my own just by what you were talking with, which is something you've wanted to mention is like how, you know, we've talked about in the past how we grab inspiration, but what do you grab inspiration from? Me, me. I, I grab inspiration from pretty much anywhere and everything. The I can pull in, I can pull ideas out of the ether. It actually happened not too long ago where I was at work and inspiration just hit me of how to build a Rocket League 5e class not just not just a subclass for another for something that i've already done no 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 a full class four subclasses i built it when i got home play tested it it's now in its its uh final version as you would call it that's pretty cool yeah and it just it came out of nowhere hit me out of nowhere but a lot of my characters i'll find a picture that i like just like james said he does with modules and I'll build a character around that. My character for uh, Loke's current campaign is built around that. I found a picture of a of a clown-like girl wielding a knife, and I was like, that would be great for a carnival, a knife thrower. What about you, Loke? Where do you I, find your inspiration well, from? I like to steal my inspiration from other people because I don't publish <laughs> my stuff. I, know, I, 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 think... don't, I don't, you know, I don't have to worry about things like copyright. <laughs> so, so if, you know, you give me your backstory that you don't know who your dad is. If I want to make him Darth Vader... I can make him Darth Vader because <laughs> George Lucas ain't going to sue you over what's doing at your homebrew table. You know? yeah. uh, now, publishers, they got to they gotta worry a bit more about, you know, making sure that they're not infringing on other people's intellectual <laughs> properties. And I mean, you know, how many times can I really tell the same old story of the Odyssey, though? Yeah. That's, I, or no, what's, uh, what's Star Wars is a very close sto- tor- storytelling of what? Um Seven Samurais or something like yeah, that, yeah. And it's just like, all of, yeah. So that 
that I get. But yeah, you can and some you know there's really a, there's something like oh I'm the the literature majors out there will will cringe when I, but it's like there's only seven stories or something like that yeah. where it's there you know there's only certain types of plot points which if if people that make the study of it there's there is a certain framework again and pretty much all the DM is doing is providing a framework. Yeah. There's you know there's the murder mystery, there's the who done it, there's the uh, world ending yeah. thread, yeah. Yeah, the vengeance thread. Yeah. yeah. There's only so many threads. You try to make them creative and and fun and different and you weave in what your players have provided. Um but you know sometimes I mean, if you were watching The Witcher. Yeah. You know, hey, that that was a cool monster that he fought and killed in one hit. Maybe, maybe what would happen if that monster snuck up behind my players? You know, and, and you throw that monster in there. Uh, I mean, even um, years ago when I started writing my novel, isekais weren't a thing. Now they are, and my the way my book starts is an isekai type scenario where they fall asleep and suddenly they're in a different world. That's. Uh, it, it's a it's a plot hook that anybody can grasp and latch onto. That's why isekais are so huge in, in anime and and even in lit RPGs. That kind of thing now is because it's an easy plot hook to take and it's it's free real estate. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's so easy to use. Yeah, I, I like when I come up with my inspiration for stuff. I usually just come up with ideas. Like I I want to see something cool and I want to see if I can create it. It's almost like being an engineer and working backwards. I have uh, I have I have the bridge I want to build, and I, I, I want it to do a loop-to-loop. -loop. All right, so how do I make it do a loop-to-loop? -loop? And I start building back from there. Well, you're going to need a little bit of this. Can I work it in with this? How about this? Well, my biggest thing, I always try to find I always try to find their inspiration, and I, I follow, and I really wish I had pulled, thought about it and I would have pulled it up. Uh, Dan Harmon, uh, the creator of Rick and Morty and a bunch of other stuff, He's followed this same storyline for great storytelling. That's how he's done like the community and Rick and Morty. And that's what I usually go. And usually it's a it's a great quest, you know, tragedy, stuff like that. Uh, hero's journey. The hero's journey, I think, is essentially what it, it boils down to. He's expanded on it a little bit because, you know, he's done it for so long. Yeah. And that goes back to that's one of the seven types. Yeah. yeah. So I always try to like and not all my characters are heroes. I usually try to make them good because when I play evil, yeah, nobody likes me. See, when when I'm creating a DM situation campaign one shot, my goal is is to you got to hook the player, and then you got to break that hook. Yeah, like uh, one of my favorite things to do. Uh, certain somebody played a a pacifist paladin who. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, gonna have to bring this one up. Never wanted to kill anybody in the campaigns. <laughs> Was doing non-lethal damage on the top of a staircase, and, and you, you know, can't prove person... that I killed him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So but, let, but let me sell you. Were emotionally attached to the? I succeeded to make you emotionally attached to that character. You cared about the actions of that character. Yeah. I and the worst part of it is I had only played him for like two episodes. <laughs> that was the worst part. That was the best part, though. See, that's what that's my goal as a, to get that uh, that attachment I to that created. character such a unique character yeah. and you wanted to kill him off in such a horrible and cruel he way. He was alive. He didn't kill. I didn't kill nobody. He was alive. You he was uninjured. If you mentally break he somebody, mentally they might broken. <laughs> So what you, it has... You've mentally broken a few characters. Because that's, so, that's my favorite thing to do as a DM. <laughs> Protagonist abuse is a very fun thing to do. So what, it, so what it happened was, was we were told that we needed to get to the top of this tower 
uh, tippy top of a tower and we needed to save somebody up there. I had a paladin that, yes, was a pacifist. I was like, uh, I think it was, uh, let me pull up the D&D of the paladins real quick. Because I can look at it and tell you, oh, that's who it was. Um, so the paladin I was playing was like, hey, look, I'm not, I don't use, uh, I think it's devotion. Yeah, it's either devotion or, uh, no, it was redemption. Because redemption's the one like, hey, look, I, I, I have failed in my past and I want to be somebody better. So I was a redemption paladin. I was like, all right, because he's got a really cool O spells that really help him take no damage, i.e. sanctuary. Or as long as uh, as long as people fail to beat my wisdom save, I think it's a wisdom save. Uh, do 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 pulling it up right now. But as long as people fail to uh, you ward a creature within range against attack until the spell ends, any creature who targets the warded creature with an attack or harmful spell must first make a wisdom saving throw. On a fail save, the creature must choose a new target or lose the attack or spell. So I was like, I'm gonna run in. And I did, and I ran all the way to the top of the tower and made it without ever getting anybody to attack me. And I had this, if you're thinking of World of Warcraft, think Leroy Jenkins, because that's what I did. I Leroy Jenkins my ass all the way up to the top of the tower. I was like, all right, now I'm going to walk down. Well, eventually you're going to have to run into somebody. I had to fight something. And I was like, all right, non-lethal damage, shield bash, non-lethal damage, shield bash, non-lethal damage, shield bash. And I hit this dude, and apparently somebody wanted to go, well, you know what? Falling down the stairs counts as damage. I was like, what? No, that's not fair. I didn't hurt him. He's like, well, you hit him. You were the last one to hit him. So facto. And I thought that was the biggest bullcrap I've ever heard in my life. And that poor character who was just trying to, like, save somebody from the tower. Yeah, I'm glad he walked off in the sunset. He didn't deserve what you did to him. <laughs> but you cared. That's the thing. It, it wasn't a throwaway. You know, you wanted your character to keep his oath. And it, you were put with a moral dilemma. That you actually had to think about. Well, he should have changed into uh, Oathbreaker after that, I well, honestly he, believe. He, I believe he changed into, what, a Death Knight? Eventually. Oh, eventually. Yeah, yeah, he eventually gave uh, him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like to throw the callbacks and pull and in a future campaign since that one walked into the sunset and died in a car crash. <laughs> <laughs> not not saying not, that. He didn't die in the game. He just walked away. And we're... And we're uh, we're not saying that we were metagaming when that when that came along, but we did um, change his throne room a bit because his uh, his throne was on the floor, and then suddenly it was on a raised dais with stairs. <laughs> I hate y'all so much. Such a great character. I really wish I could remember. That's why I brought his name. him back. <sighs> I like. I, I like to give myself. I, I give myself credit. I create some really fun yeah. and unique characters. I'm really upset that. I still haven't gotten to play in your campaign. Uh, I know it's gone on for a couple weeks now, and I'm going to get it back around to it, but I still want to create that panty thief. But it goes back to the idea where I get the inspiration from. I was like, you know what would be really fun? Just something just ridiculously stupid is a character that, you know, he just steals he steals women's panties. And I think that's like, so, like a fun, unique concept. I usually start from a concept. So I have this little thought cloud. What if, a what if question almost, if you will. And then I start branching off from there. And then I was like, oh, well, then you can do this. And then what can you do that? Why did he, why does he want to steal panties? I took a class in college uh, for screenwriting, and that's where I started getting these damn what if ideas. So that's how I get it. So, yeah, yeah the, the, the creative process is, it, it is the individual's um, design. Uh, for me, a lot of it, like I said, comes from the ether. I, I just come up with ideas out of the blue. And it annoys the crap out of me because it always happens when it's the most inconvenient, like when you're at work. Oh, I, that's when why. You're, when you're on your commute, when you're trying to go the fuck to sleep. 
Well, I tell you what it you is do. The worst. You do what I do. I carry a pen and paper wherever I go, and I t- I'll, st- I'll stop and take a note. I'll, if I even if I gotta text it to myself, my Facebook uh, Messenger is filled with nothing but messages to myself. Hey, what about this, this, and this? Don't forget this. Do that to yourself. It'll save you so much time. I, yeah, I love yeah. that. I mean, I, I but I, you can't text while driving. The hell, I can't take a voice memo though. That is, it. I use the Samsung notes with the voice stuff when yep. I'm driving. Yep. And yes, I do use a Samsung. And if you use an iPhone, you're wrong. Yeah. Well, no one asks for your communist opinion anyway. <laughs> Unless iPhone decides to sponsor our podcast, and, and then, then which you're case. the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. I have one. I have the question of the week. All right. So last time, uh, I want to start doing this, and I think this is going to be like a fun little thing that we do here. Uh, we're going to call it the question of the week, where we come up with one really good question. Uh, to ask you guys, and it'll be a poll. If you go to Spotify, you can find it in our poll. Last week's, or a couple weeks ago now, they think about it. A couple weeks ago, the question was, uh, is a plus one item uh, mag- magical or non-magical? You guys go over there, check the results out. You're, you're going to be upset with it. I know I was. But this week's question, do you award inspiration? Uh, do you award the inspiration mechanic? So essentially the inspiration is uh, a special mechanic that DMs can give out for either good role-playing, uh, good teamwork. They can give it out for whatever, and you keep track of these inspiration points, and what they essentially do is they give you advantage on something or they remove disadvantage because it's it's like a benefit for being like a good boy. It's like you're giving a dog a treat for sitting down. And that's how I feel. I'm with I, I'm with Loke. Loke, I'm 100% agreement with you. I think it's a useless mechanic. Absolutely. I'd rather see it in the form of experience or something. It's the best mechanic I never use. <laughs> I don't even think it's the best mechanic that anybody ever uses. I think it's an overrated mechanic, and you can fight me on it. And the reason it, I say that is... Well, it, it's positive reinforcement. If you need it the, to, to, to change your player's behavior, but it's there for you. I, I don't even think... like. Why would you want to like? I just refer, but, prefer to give them negative reinforcement and beat them down. Yeah, that's and that's my problem with it as a mechanic is that you can give inspiration for good behavior, but what about a bane for bad behavior? If they're doing stuff that's against their character, if they're not paying attention during the game, that kind of thing. I think you should be able to go. Okay, no, um, you get a bane point. I'm going to bring that up at some point. And you're going to have disadvantage. Well. Yeah, no, I I can see that, but that then I'd have to give out things for being a good player, and I I'm just not. You should be a good player when you come to the board, right? You don't have to be a great player. You don't have to be an experienced player. You should just be a good person, good player, all right. And a good player doesn't mean that you know your rules, that you're not losing out on your turn, that you have everything written down. No, just a good player means you come in there, you're being a part of the game, you're in, engaging with people. That's it. That's being a good player. Why do you deserve a treat just because you're but, there? Well, I, I like the idea. I don't like the practice. It's, well, it's, I, I, for me, it's um, you give it out when you're when it, something in, it is inspired, but doesn't necessarily work that way. Like I was bringing up something a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it happened in our, well, it didn't happen in our game, but it could have happened. Is that I'm rude knight. I have the ability to go into a giant form. Makes me large. Um, you can raise your hand above your head. Uh, you're half again your height. So basically, at, at uh, giant form, I could grapple somebody, pick them up, raise them up above my head, and then slam them into the ground and only deal 2d6 plus 1 plus my strength modifier. That's, yeah, but why, why do you deserve an inspiration point well, because for that? Then, because then at that point, the DM can go, well, that's inspired what you're trying to do. 
doesn't work that way. So I'm sorry, but here's an inspiration point for no. coming up with something so cool. No, because what, you got an inspiration point for breaking the rules. Well, no, not even breaking the rules, but for trying to find a loophole that the DM says, no. Because it, it, it's their discretion, and now you're trying to tell me that you should get, you're getting a participation pro- trophy just because you decided to read. Well, that's, and that it, other things fall into the same category, you know, um, having a trap that your players um, think critically about and get around without having to, uh, to set it off or stuff like that. See, you're getting points I, I for would, playing the game. Yeah, I would use it more along the lines of if the if player makes me laugh. <laughs> that's easy. <laughs> you know? I, I've gotten you to laugh on a lot of yeah. things. That, that, see, that's where I would use it more because, you know, somebody's making the game more fun. I'm, I, I like the fact that there is a mechanism in the game that you can reward that player for making the game more fun. Can like we, I said, I never use it. <laughs> why, why, like, but I, I like the fact that it could be used if I wanted to. I, I, I think that there should be something else that we give. I like giving, like, a, you know, maybe like an extra 100 experience points at the end of the game for them. I, then I'm more, like, receptive to the level because obviously yeah, well, 100 experience at level one is going to, like, super boost you. Well, and in the old days, that would matter where you had individual experience and most people weren't playing Milestone. And yeah. Nowadays, it, you. Experience don't mean nothing anymore. That's true. Uh, I'd like to see. Well, maybe you know, giving them, uh, giving them a special like a point. Like I don't know. I think giving them, I I think giving an award to somebody who's already just playing the game to play the game is kind of counterproductive. Yeah, it does encourage good behavior, but then that's what they're going to be expecting every time. You know, every time they sit down, they're like, "Okay, cool. Where's my inspiration point just for being here?" And you're like, "Yeah, that's not how it works." And now you've started. Now you, they're like, "Well, I got it last time I did this. Now why am I not getting it this time?" So now you're creating that codependency on it. I'm okay with granting something for something, but it's got to be worth something. Doing it like the way you guys are saying, I'm just not seeing it. I don't think you. I, I think it's a mechanic that's honestly the game's overusing. I think we could find something better well, to give them for their time. I, I don't. You don't use lot. it. Right? I don't use it. I don't use it either. I, I'm just most of the out. live stream games that I've seen don't use it. So why do we even have it then? Uh, I, I, because there are those out there who who feel like they don't get enough, and this is probably just a placation. And it, it's a it's a teaching mechanism. That too. Uh, it could be yeah. used. What, what, what am I teaching you? Well, it, you it, you get a group that's a completely new group, and, and you want to reward the ones that are playing correctly. It gives it's a reward. That's all it is. You have you have something you can give. I them. will say that the most inspiration I've ever seen given out was at Adventures League. I don't even th- like Adventures League. I don't even get why you would do it there because then that carries over into somebody else. You you may end up stepping into their their side one time. I think in the rules you have to use it in that session. Okay. I'm not entirely sure. I, I'd i like to see the clarification on that. I just don't think that giving inspiration, because like I said, I'm just I'm rewarding you for playing a game and that you're voluntarily here for. It's not like somebody set you down. That reward is also so small. I mean, most cl- people, I mean, if you're using flanking rules, if you're using, uh, you know, pack tactics or, or half a dozen other, you know, rules, you can get advantage pretty easily. Yeah. I would uh, rather just give you, I don't, I don't know. Well, and, and uh, I, first off, I would change it. First, you're not getting uh, you're not getting advantage, or you're not removing advantage. Maybe like a re-roll. Like every inspiration is worth one re-roll. In some ways, that's all advantage really is. Yeah. Yeah. Rolling it at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this one gives you like where you you can re-roll and determine. Right. I would rather use this one. I would be more okay with that versus like usually at advantage you you take the higher. Right. 
um, versus a, this is a re-roll that you get to control. You're like, eh, you know what? I, I would rather have this one. So in case you roll lower, you get to, like like a damage die. Damage die re-roll. I could deal with that. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it boils down to us, uh, us older heads. We are so set in our ways that giving stuff out is is it's just part of the experience. So why would we give out something extra that they're already dealing with? Plus the the uh, coming up with a clever way to deal with something that's reward in and of itself. Yeah, it also lets the stingy DMs who don't give magic items ever, who <laughs> rarely ever give gold. Um, you know, they, uh, I'm talking to you, Nigglewort. <laughs> Nigglewort. You know, you, you, you're a level one fighting level 15 monsters and you get three gold. Ah. <laughs> yeah. I, I It gives them something else they could give their players that's not going to, you know, it's, it, it that's is not going to throw off long term. I would say that would be something that it could be used for is, is a reward substitute when you don't want to give out something like that. So you're thinking like a barter system. I, I could see yeah. that being a little bit more reasonable. Like if you have like an adventurer's guild with like a shop or something, like you can use that to like trade it, like get a little bit extra value on something. Like, oh, hey, look, I'm trading in this three wolf carcasses that I have. Well, okay, normally it's worth two silver, but you give me an inspiration point, well, I'm going to double not, it. Now you got advantage on that persuasion check. You're not, no, you're not getting advantage. You're just giving, <laughs> I don't know. I just don't see you giving it out because like, I'm I'm rewarding you for playing a game that, right. like I said, you're voluntarily here to play. Yeah. Uh, if you don't, uh, I'm not going to try and persuade you into better behavior. I'm going to try and help you out and become a better player as a DM. So if you're doing bad things, I'm going to be going, hey, man, maybe we should, you know, try it this way. If but, you don't want to do it. You are rewarding your players for defeating their monsters, getting through their obstacles. So then why am I double with, rewards? With treasure. Well, this is an alternate. That and, and you're not giving them treasure, you're not giving them gold, you're not giving them titles and power that has a long term. That's almost effect. a big but, F you though. If you yeah. get if you Oh yeah, I agree. That's why I don't use it. Yeah, and that's But it, it is a low risk reward that you can give them that's not gonna affect your long term campaign. You give somebody a plus five luck blade, that's gonna affect the rest of your campaign. Yeah. You I'm know? not giving somebody a plus five anything, yeah. first off. It was bad not enough that I no. not. It's bad enough that I persuaded somebody once to give me a plus three shield to borrow. <laughs> but um, for me, it, it has to be something special. But if it's already something special, they should be getting something out of it anyway. There, yeah. you, but that's the thing. It's like usually once you're at the end of the encounter or the end of the uh, end of the chapter of that adventures guild, the mission, whatever you're talking about, at the end of it, you're gonna get something out of it. I just don't see. Well, little Timmy, you did really well. Let's go ahead and give you an inspiration point because you were here. No, but hey, bud, you did a really good job. Let's, let's, you and your party can look out over the loot rules and figure out what you guys are going to get. Now, if one person's being stingy on that, and you know, niggle word, uh, we're going to end up having these issues. And I get that, but that's not going to be something I can like go, oh, well, you know, you didn't get enough gold this time. So we'll give you the inspiration point. But it, it gives that, that style of DM who doesn't want to get you. And until you get to the big boss, you are going to stay with the basic equipment and you're going to have no money. But when you fight these little bosses, uh, uh, here's a reward for def- for being the guy who landed the final blow on the mini boss. You get this little inspiration point that you can use that really has a very minor of effect. I don't think so. Yeah. I, I I mean, just just to, to clear mean, the to clear the the table here. 
We're all saying no. It, it doesn't okay. need to be a mechanic. <laughs> we're we're, yeah. we're all playing devil's advocate for a rule we don't use and don't like. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, oh man, I, it, it there, is. There is there. I'm arguing that there is a very specialized, specific case where you might think about. Yeah. I wouldn't even think about it. There's there's no way. There's no reason to even think that. Yeah. If I'm not. You if I'm not, that if I'm place. not engaging my players enough to where they want to stay, and I have to give them rewards like that to get them to stay, I need to rethink what I'm doing. I need to go back and adjust my strategy. If are they okay? Are they RPers? Do they want to RP a little bit more? Are they combat focused? Should I combat focus them? Are they a mixture of the both? Should I be ba- figure out the rebalance? We talked about that in the last episode. Well, and there are DMs out there, especially some of the newer DMs, who have a really hard time with some things. Like uh, invisibility or flying, there's certain DMs that ban those spells from their game because they can't handle their players having that. Those same kind of DMs are they're probably having problems when their players get plate mail because yeah. now they're harder to hit. You know, they're having problems with that player gets a magic weapon because now their monsters are no longer resistant to everything and they're getting killed a lot faster. And, and it, it's something for those DMs who who just have to be stingy, keep everybody at under level five. Campaign ends at level five because you can't handle. So that you yeah, can't handle yeah, powerful that's characters. A, but that's telling me that you're not you're not learning. Right. So you need to go back and reassess. Well, I, I you maybe need to come back it. and listen to old <laughs> Chef Bolg and Pirate yeah. Captain's recipes for everything, and figure out well maybe maybe there's something I'm doing that that I'm just not yeah. getting. Yeah. It, it, if. If you're having that many restrictions at your table, you should rethink your DM style, I think. Maybe go back and play a few games yeah, more. Yeah, play, play a little bit more. Use those spells against another DM and see how they react. As a, as a DM, throw everything you've got at me. Yeah. I want to see it. I want to come up with ways to defeat it myself. So go ahead. Yeah, throw it at me. Yeah, I, I, I'm not afraid of any spells. I, I've talked about before. I'll, there's a couple magic items I do ban, but those aren't because... They're going to break anything. It's just I feel it gives certain players unfair advantage over other players. That's why I'm banning them. It's not – I don't ban the wish spell. You know, <laughs> If you've got to the point where you're high enough level to cast the wish spell, go ahead and cast it. Yeah, you're, not, you're fighting Tarasks and, you know, God-level monsters. You're going to need a wish to survive you're anyway. You're going to need that wish. Yeah, you're, not, you're not banning Sharpshooter. You're making it so that we have to declare it and it as, a, uh, as one attack. So monks can't abuse it. <clears throat> not that I've ever done it. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it's, it's not the, the – it's for specifically for Sharpshooter. I know that it was Fenris that did it for you because I was sit back and I was dealing – Tons of damage from around a corner using hand crossbows. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and that's also that that you know gets into the separate unintended consequence. If we didn't use my crit chart and crit stuff, sharpshooter wouldn't be as bad. It wouldn't be that bad. Yeah, because uh, so, that was. Um, so they, I mean, but those, even, those even changes, that, yeah, those changes are more a result. Even that, uh, I almost said his name. Um, our DM for the our uh, early campaign felt the the weight of even just regular crits because he had his arch druid come after us and yeah. CR 18 we're all level 11 we shouldn't be fighting this guy and I dealt 200 damage to him as a fighter using that rune and with three crits it can change the flow of a battle in an instant yeah and using your crit chart weighted dice will do that <laughs> <laughs> well using your crit chart I would have killed it yeah I would have killed it 
But, yeah, I mean, a good DM would say, no, you didn't kill him. Yeah, I, <laughs> I half suspect you did kill him, and he just yeah. automatically <laughs> had one hit. That's the beauty to be in the DM. He suddenly yeah, has yeah. 201 hit points. Oh, man. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, that being said, this has been a great episode. I have loved everything we talked about. Hey, if you're out there listening, make sure you come out and find us wherever you can. That starts on Facebook. All right, Chef Bolg and PC, uh, our Pirate Captain recipes for everything. You can find us on Facebook. Which, by the way, I will be posting that uh, Rocket League subclass for those uh, the Rocket League class for people yep. who want to download it. It's a free thing for our listeners. Please enjoy. Yep. Use it if you can. And then we're also, make sure you email us. If you have anything you want to say, you want to sit here and tell me I'm an idiot because I think that people shouldn't be getting uh, inspirations for just playing the game, come on at us, all right? It's chefbolgandpc at gmail.com. Like, share, share subscribe, yeah. tell your friends, tell your enemies about this podcast. And, and if you have questions, like you had a situation come up in your game that you want our opinion on. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll, t- we'll yeah. talk it out. Uh, we we scroll through the Reddits. We look at your qu- the questions asked there. It's where we get some of our ideas for these episodes. Which thank you guys so much for the love I sh- I shared in one post before it got taken down. Seriously, three hundred and twenty one uh, upvotes. That's that's good karma right there. Yeah, quite yep. literally. And we really uh, we really appreciate you guys sticking with us. The things are going to get better. Make sure you stay tuned for February's episodes. Uh, we have a special, a real special guest coming through. You're going to love it. The topics, the conversations that are coming. This is Chef Bolg and the Pirate Captain's Recipes for Everything. And as always, say goodbye, Bolg. Goodbye, Bolg. Say goodbye, Loke. <laughs> Bye, guys. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Chef Bolg and the Pirate Captain's Recipes for Everything, featuring Loke the Bard, of course. We appreciate you listening and sharing this podcast wherever you found it on. Don't forget to head over to the Facebook page and find out some of that extra content old Bolg has been talking about. If you have any questions for all of us, make sure you email us over at chefbolgandpc at gmail.com. And as always... Happy adventure, yar! Buddy, I feel something's been missing from these episodes recently. What, like, what, like black current? No, no, that's not it. Uh, Beach steak? My magnificent good looks? No, no, that can't be it. You know what, bloke? You're about to get muted. All right, that's how I say. <laughs> no, there's. I feel like there was a, a, a adventurous little thing that we did before every episode that kind of gave an inspiration into our lives and let people really see who we were as people. Oh, oh, oh! Yeah, yeah. But uh, I thought we had to wear pants these days. Oh, that is right. We do have to wear pants. So, all right, everybody, put your pants on, all right? I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this already. What do you think? I'm not even asking you again. You can't make me. Well, to hell I can. I, that's it. You're muted. All right, Bog. But what are we going to do about the stripper pole? That is a good question. <laughs>